Toby is going to come along and uh, yeah, just uh, begin and start our new preaching series, Heroes. Um, but before that, I, I'm going to read out the passage for today. So if you've got your Bibles, if you've got your uh, apps, um, if you don't have either one, it's going to come on the screen as well. But um, we're just going to start at Judges 6. Um, and it goes, um, the Israelite did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And for seven years, he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. Because of the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts, caves, and strongholds. Uh, whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, Amalekites, and other eastern people invaded this country. They camped on the land and ruined all the crops all the way to Gaza and did not spare a living thing for Israel. Neither sheep, nor cattle, nor donkeys. They came up with the livestock and the tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count them or their camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. Midian was so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out for the Lord for help. When the Israelites cried out to the Lord because of Midian, he sent to them a prophet who said, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I brought you up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I rescued you from the hand of the Egyptians, and I delivered you from the hands of all your oppressors. I drove them out before you and gave you their land. I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live, but you have not listened to me. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak of Ophrah that belonged to Josiah the Abirazarite where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a winepress to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied. But if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, Do not the Lord, Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hands of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, Go, in the strength you have, and save Israel of, out of Midian hands. Am I not sending you? Pardon me, my lord, Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weaker, weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you. Great, Tim. Thank you for that reading. Lots of difficult names in there. I think Tim deserves a round of applause for that reading. Very good. Um, just to say, we're very excited. Um, we've got some new Bibles at church, which is great. Nice, shiny, lovely ones. But we've also uh, got some old Bibles, which we would love to give you. Um, they're slightly falling apart, but if you would like a Bible, we would love to give you one. So maybe you'd like to take one on the way out. They're just in a box. Please help yourself. Um, or you might have someone you want to give one to, which would be great. So uh, that was just a little tiny notice before we get stuck into the main talk. So hello, everyone. I'm Toby. I'm the vicar here. It's great to have you um, here, particularly if you're here for the first time, if you're visiting or you're a guest. Uh, I love August uh, because it's a slightly different rhythm. It's slightly a bit more chilled out. Uh, maybe people are going on holidays. And uh, it's slightly quieter in some ways, but it's also a really great opportunity for us to get to know one another. And I love that we're doing the summer night stuff. I love that we had Focus as a chance to hang out and get to know uh, one another. And uh, I wasn't at Focus. So we were planning to go to Focus, and then my wife wasn't very well, and we couldn't go. And I was absolutely gutted. 
And I don't know if you, if you were thinking of going to focus or you couldn't be there for whatever reason. Um, it's quite tempting to think, oh no, we missed out. You know, God was doing something special in a field in Newark, and I wasn't there. And uh, I'm, I'm encouraging myself that actually the same God that was in Newark was also in Bristol. And the same God that is at work now is the same God that was at work in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, and is the God that is at work everywhere. So I'd love to encourage you, if you missed out, I'm trying to, I've already, you know, got the website ready to book for next year. But don't, you didn't miss out, because the Lord was with you, and the Lord is with you. And that's the message that we want to look at for over the, the, the course of this summer, is how God works in very amazing ways with very ordinary people. And we're going to look at these heroes of the faith. They're heroes of the faith, not because they were special people in themselves, but because God did something very special with these ordinary people. And so uh, what we're going to do, it might be helpful to sort of think about, well, why look at the Old Testament? You might say, it's a good question, we're Christians, we're following Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is in the New Testament. Why bother with the Old Testament? It's a good question. Well, here's three quick reasons. One, Jesus read the Old Testament and he quoted from the Old Testament a lot. So he obviously thought it was quite good. So if you're following Jesus, following what he does is probably quite a good thing. Secondly, he said, I haven't come to obliterate any of the Old Testament law. I've just come to fulfill it. In other words, it's great, but there's more. And Jesus is the fulfillment of the Old Testament. And then thirdly, when we read the Old Testament, because Jesus is the fulfillment and the culmination, the question we've got to ask whenever we read the Old Testament is, where is Jesus in the Old Testament? Where does this point to Jesus? Where does Jesus crop up, or the gospel of God's grace crop up even in the Old Testament? Because it's not a different God in the Old Testament and the New Testament. It's the same God in the whole of the Bible. So as we look at this passage today, we're going to be asking that question, where is Jesus in this passage. And we're going to look at different characters, and today we're looking at the character of Gideon. Now, I don't know if you've ever read about Gideon before, but he is famous for being weak. It's good, isn't it? He's famous for being weak. And what I want to talk to you today about is how God can turn your weakness into his strength. God can turn your weakness into his strength. The situation that's going on, just to give you a little bit of background of the Old Testament. So the Old Testament, um, in Genesis, Abraham is given a promise that we see the fulfillment of happening all the way through the Old Testament. But the, the promise is essentially three things. One, I will give you offspring, which is strange because they, he has no offspring. He can't have children. His wife and he are very old. But anyway, God does a miracle. You will have offspring, and they will be more numerous than uh, the sand on the, uh, the grains of sand in, on, the, on the beach. In other words, you will be, your, your offspring will be numerous. Secondly, you will be given a land, some actual physical land, where you as a people will dwell. Third part of the promise, you will be a blessing to everyone around you, all the nations, the peoples, the families around you. Those are the three parts of the promise. So if you look through the Old Testament, uh, we see Moses is a key part of this. 
They're in slavery, the people of God, Abraham's descendants, but they are taken out of slavery through Moses. God calls Moses. He says, I can't do it. He says, yes, you can. I'm going to help you. And they come out of the, the, um, the, uh, into the wilderness. They then spend some time in the wilderness. Moses doesn't get into the promised land. And then we have Joshua. If you were here in May and June, we had a series on Joshua. Joshua is the one who takes the people into the land. So we've got the people, tick. We've got the land, tick. So you'd have thought, right, at the end of Joshua, that's it. We're done. The, for, the promise has been fulfilled. But sadly, that is not the case. The third part is that you will be a blessing to all the peoples around you. And unfortunately, they are not. They've inhabited the land, but they're not a blessing in the way that God has asked them to be. Why? Because they've forsaken their love for God. They've got the people. They've got the land but they've forgotten God, the very one who brought them to the place they are. So what is going to happen? Well, the Judges is an interesting book. How many people would, would say Judges is my favorite book of the, of the whole Bible? Yes, Luca. Thank you. Luca, do you want to come and just tell us a bit more about Judges? Do you want to? <laughs> no. um, anyway, um, it's, it, most people, you know, well, it's a great book, but do we know much about it? The, the whole point of Judges is it says in the first three chapters that the people of God throw, go through the same cycle in Judges over and over again, which is decline in worship of God, comfortable living, desperate situation, attack from outside, crying out to God for help. God raises up someone who is a judge, a leader, not a king, interestingly, but a judge, and revival happens. The people come back to the Lord and everything's great for a while. And then it happens again. And then it happens again. And it happens again. Every single judge is raised up by God in the same situation. And Gideon is the fourth of the judges. And he is perhaps the most famous of them because he is mentioned in Hebrews in the New Testament uh, as a hero of the faith. So we're going to jump into uh, a situation where the Israelites have got the people, they've got the land but they've left behind God. And it says this, verse 1, The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and for seven years he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. So the way that they know things are not going very well is that the Midianites, another tribe who's in that land, are basically dominating them. They are being absolutely schooled by the Midianites. They are uh, having a terrible time. The Midianites are overrunning their, the land that they're in. It's, it describes quite an interesting picture here. It says, um, they were reduced to grinding poverty, living in the caves and mountains, scared to come out. That is not a very good promised land, is it? Living in caves, scared about those who are around us. And every time they would come out and plant crops, it says the Midianites would come and destroy them, and they'd retreat back again. They're living in fear. Not in faith, but in fear. I don't know whether you ever find yourself in that situation, living in fear and not in faith. It's quite easy in our society today to have a mindset of fear and not faith. For seven years, they've been used to a mindset of fear and not faith. It's quite easy when things don't go very well in your life to begin to live in fear and not faith. It's quite easy to look around at the church and think, oh my goodness, you know, amazing to see focus. But the overall picture, you might think in the Western world, my goodness, I'm living in fear 
and not faith. You might look around at the problems in society and think, oh my goodness, these are impossible to solve. Some of the things we're praying for, the poverty in our city. It's very easy to live in fear and not faith. And that is the situation that the Israelites are in, but it's also the situation that Gideon finds himself in. How do we respond? How does he respond? Well, I just want to draw out four quick things today. The first thing is this. It says, they cried out to the Lord for help. Verse 6. The people cried out to the Lord for help. I'm so thankful for the times that God has answered my cry for help. Have you ever cried out to the Lord and seen him answer? Have you ever heard other people talk about their experience of crying out to the Lord and him helping? It's quite easy to forget those. That's what happens with the Israelites. Because they've had this before, three times already, in the book of Judges alone. And they've already forgotten what to do for seven years. They forgot what the first thing they need to do, cry out to the Lord for, for help. After seven years, they eventually remember, cry out to the Lord for help. Um, I watched um, Barbenheimer. How many people have seen Barbenheimer? Okay. For the, those who know, how many have seen, seen Barbie? Just Barbie. Okay. <laughs> Some people are ashamed to admit it. It's okay. I've seen both. How many people have seen Oppenheimer? Okay, interesting. So I've seen bo both films in the last three weeks, and I'm really interested. Uh, they're both fantastic films. I thoroughly recommend them. Very different. But um, <laughs> they're, uh, they're, both, they're both fantastic films. But one of the things that really struck me was um, uh, the, the sense of, of uh, frustration and sadness that I felt as I, in, in some ways that I walked out of both of them. In the first, I just thought, gosh, we don't know who we are. We're trying to work out the battle of the sexes, uh, gender identity, but it, we're so confused. We don't really know what to... Who's going to help us work out how to live in a healthy society? There's, a, there's, a, there's an interesting message there. I'd love to encourage you to have, have a think about it. Um, the, the, uh, Bob, Bob Oppenheimer, Oppenheimer, that one was um, seriously scary. I'm like, oh my goodness, we have got all this technology and we don't know how to use it. Think about AI. It makes us really think about the situation of science and how we do Our world, if you look at it, if you scratch beneath the surface, you think, we have got some serious challenges on our hands. Who's going to tell us what to do? The scientists? The politicians? I wonder whether they were asking a similar question in that time. Who's going to help us? But they cried out to the Lord for help. And this is my encouragement, to cry out to the Lord for help. I don't know the answer to those questions, but the Lord does. So we need to cry out to the Lord for help. Uh, I remember when, I was, um, when I'd just become a vicar, and, uh, and we had the Bishop of Kensington who came to speak to us. And he was wearing all his sort of bishopy stuff and... Uh, you know, he was obviously a very holy person. And we said to him, you know, what, he had a Q&A, and, and people said, well, someone asked, you know, what, what's, what's, the, what's the most important and powerful prayer that you've ever prayed? And he said, help. We were a bit disappointed by that. We thought it might be a bit more interesting than that. But he said, no, 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 the most important and most frequent prayer I pray as a bishop is help. And that's what they do here, cry out to the Lord for help. The temptation is to look to strategy and to expertise, but actually the first thing to do is to say help. What does that look like for you at the moment? To cry out to the Lord. What situation are you in that actually doesn't require fixing, first of all? It requires desperate cries of saying, Lord, help. 
Second thing, cry out to the Lord for help, number one. Number two, know that God is with you. Know that God is with you. This is what Gideon experiences. So where do we find Gideon? Well, did you know that the word Gideon, the, the Hebrew word, means um, hewer, or as in hewing the rock, or fighter, or warrior? But what's he doing? Is he fighting? No. He's threshing. Do you know what threshing is? Threshing is where you try and separate the wheat from the chaff when the uh, harvest comes in. And what they used to do is used to, they would just basically take a whole bunch of it in a, uh, in a fork and they would lift it up into the sky and the wind would blow away the chaff and leave, uh, the, um, uh, leave the wheat. So it would separate the good from the bad. Now that's a kind of farming thing. And we've heard that the Midianites are basically taking all their crops. So obviously he's retreated back into farming because that's what he needs to do to provide for his family or whatever. But it's interesting, he's not doing threshing in the place that you should thresh, which is out in the open where the wind can blow. No, he has dug, he's dug down into a wine press under a tree, sheltering and hiding. And when he's in that situation, God comes to him uh, in, the present, in, the, in the person of this angel, which is like a messenger from God, and says to him, greetings, mighty warrior. And, and Gideon might understand him and say, well, <laughs> I'm not really a warrior. Uh, I'm a thresher. I'm, a, I'm, I'm quite a scared thresher at that. I'm not a mighty warrior. But God says, no, greetings, mighty warrior. It's an interesting point here, isn't it? Whose opinion of Gideon is more important? His or God's? Whose definition of who he is is more powerful? His, scared thresher, or God's, mighty warrior? How often do we fall into the temptation to speak things to ourselves that are actually not true. It's not what God says, but we say it to ourselves. How often have we got, how many times do you get up in the morning, look in the mirror when you're at focus, tumbling out of your tent, if you found a mirror, do you look in the mirror and go, greetings, mighty warrior? Do you say that to yourself? No. We quite often look in the mirror and go, oh my goodness, oh dear. You know, and, but or, more seriously, we can quite often have a dialogue, or a, sorry, a monologue that goes on as something in our heads about you are a failure. Look at you. You're a mess. Outside, on the inside. How many times do we fall into that, that pattern of saying stuff to ourselves, which God would never say to you? Now here's the challenge. Why don't you begin to believe what God thinks about you rather than yourself? Why don't you let God define you rather than your, your situation? It's quite easy to think that our identity is defined by our geography. To think that where we are at the moment is who we are. But that's not the case. Gideon is hiding, afraid, threshing, and yet that's not his identity. He may be in this situation now, but that's not where he's going to end up. But the beginning of the journey for Gideon is to hear what God says about him. He says, greetings, mighty warrior. 
What has the Lord said to you in the past where you need to go, I'm going to take that and I'm going to hold on to that. I remember that you said that about me in the past. It's still true of me today. I, I, I cannot sometimes think I'm unforgivable, but no, because of Jesus and the cross, I'm forgivable. I sometimes think I'm unlovable, but no, God, you love me. These are the things that change the way we see ourselves and the world around us and enable us to do the next bit of Gideon's journey. Have you noticed the first thing he says is, greetings, mighty warrior. The second thing he says is, the Lord is with you. Now, this is a really great little phrase, but where do we find the idea of God being with us in the New Testament? In other words, where is Jesus in this? Do you know one of Jesus' names? Emmanuel. The word means God with us. This is like a prefiguring of Jesus. And do you know what happens here? Gideon is timid, afraid, threshing wheat in a wine press. And God is not miles away. No, no, no. God has come right into the hole that he's dug. He's right in there. And that's what Jesus did on the cross. He, he came into our world to be with us in our mess, in the midst of the situation, in the geography that we find ourselves, in the situations that we're in. Jesus is right there. So wherever you are at the moment, here in Bristol, I don't know why you're here, why you're here in Bristol, but the Lord is with you. He's in this situation that you're in. Whatever, however difficult or un, un, unintelligible, you might think, why am I here? What am I, my job? Where's my job going? What's this relationship? I don't know what's going on in my relationship. I don't know what's happening. The Lord is in that situation with you. The Lord is with you. So, don't confuse your identity with your location. Don't confuse who you are with where you are. Thirdly, admit your weaknesses. I don't know if you've ever been in a job interview or an appraisal at work, and the question has come up, what is your greatest weakness? Have you ever been in one of those situations? I don't know how you've answered that question. Oh, I'm a, I'm a bit of a perfectionist. <laughs> I can sometimes overwork. I know it's a problem. I often put the team before myself. I know I shouldn't do that. You're basically trying to turn a weakness into a strength without showing anyone you're working. Or maybe you say um, eczema, like Keith in the office. I don't know. But it's very hard for us to admit our weaknesses genuinely, and particularly in a job interview. But what's interesting in here is Gideon's response to the Lord is this, verse 15. How can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh. And I am the least in my family. This is, I'm, I'm not just being, you know, funny about this, but I am the least of the least. Why have you come to me? And I, I find this so comforting because I often feel like God can't use me because of my weaknesses. I often look at my weaknesses and think, oh, if only I could eradicate my weaknesses, then wouldn't things be great? I don't know if you ever look at yourself in that way and think, if only I could sort this situation out in my life, this relationship, this job situation, this, if only then God, I'm waiting for the moment when God is going to use me because then when I've got everything sorted out, that's not the way it works. And that's certainly not grace. You know, the gospel is a gospel of grace. 
where God uses broken people. He comes into our situation and helps us in our weakness. And this is why I love, again, picking up the New Testament, the, new, the language of Paul. I feel like Paul's been reading Gideon. He says, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly in my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. We often think, rightly maybe, that we impress people with our strengths, our capabilities. That's what we do in job interviews, isn't it? On social media, we put the best version of ourselves forward. But actually, the only way to connect with people is through weakness. You know, we're impressed by some people. When people share their weakness, we think, me too. I get it. That is hugely powerful. Gideon is an example of a cracked pot. I don't know if you've heard this story before. There's a water carrier in India who is walking along with a pole with two pots of water, one on each side. And he walks along every single day from his house uh, to where he is um, planting crops. And the water, both water jars are full of water. And by the time he gets to the other end, one jar is still full of water and he uses it to water the crops. The other one has a crack in it. And therefore, it's only got half the water left. And he obviously uses that water. He does the same journey over and over again, months and months. And eventually, the cracked pot speaks to the water carrier. It's the talking pot. <laughs> I don't know why. Anyway, this is the story. So um, the pot turns to the, the water carrier and says, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Every single day, you fill me up with water. By the time we get there, I'm only half full. I, I feel so bad about myself. And the water carrier says, do you know what? I knew that anyway. Of course I know that. But do you know what I've done without you knowing is I've planted seeds along your side of the path all the way. And every day you water those seeds. And every day there are new flowers. And I pick them up and I take them home and put them on my, my kitchen table. In fact, your weakness has brought around something amazing. And, and this is the picture of all of us. We're all cracked pots, aren't we? And yet God can use our weaknesses in a way even more than our strengths to turn his power. His power is made perfect in our weakness. When we are weak, then he is able to be strong. So admit your weaknesses. And lastly, rely on God's strength. So Gideon is not persuaded that God can use him because of his weaknesses, but he at least offers himself to him. This is what the Lord says to him. Verse 14, the Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Go in the strength you have. I love that. Go. Don't go in the strength you wish you had. Don't go in the, in, the, in the situation you hope to be in in the future. No, go where you are right now as you feel with all your brokenness and the little strength that you might have and God will use you. Jesus, again, where's Jesus? Jesus picks this up. He says, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, go and be chucked into the sea and it will happen. In other words, it's not the force of your faith that matters, but the focus of your faith. It's not the power of your faith, but the person that your faith is focused on. If your faith is in Jesus, if your 
you fix your eyes on him, it doesn't matter how small you feel your faith is, that's the place to put it. And you will see amazing things begin to happen. Why? Not because you're great. That's the whole point. But because God is great. Can you notice what he says here? He says, am I not sending you? Am I? I am. I am. The great I am. Yahweh, the God who created the universe. If he's sending you, then you're going to be okay. Am I not sending you? I am is sending you. It's not about your ability. It's about God's power. And therefore, to offer ourselves to him is the best thing that we can do. It says in verse 27 that Gideon's response was this. It says, Gideon did as the Lord told him. He just obeyed. He must have been so scared to walk out of that threshing, uh, that wine press, and into battle. But he obeys. He says, okay, I feel weak. But I'm going to have a go. I'm going to step out in faith. That's all faith is, is taking that first step of risk. What is the Lord potentially calling you into at the moment? Where is God calling you out of? You may be in this situation now. The Lord's here with you. But where is he calling you into next? Where you say, okay, I'm going to do as the Lord tells me. I'm going to choose to follow you. Even though I don't know what's going to happen. And that's the place that Gideon begins. It's not where he ends up. He ends up recruiting warriors to fight because that's what he's been called to do. In fact, they reckon that the Midianites probably had at least 100,000 troops. What he manages to cobble together is uh, 33,000 troops Israelite. That's quite a, that's a good number. They've all rallied to him. They probably think, well, yeah, actually, we know you're a, a warrior. We're going to follow you. And God says, no, 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 no. I don't need 33,000. Slim it down. So he gets rid of half of them. He gets rid of another half. Eventually, he's left with 300 fighters against 100,000. That's not a fair fight. What's God doing here? He wants him to recognize again that it's not about his strength. It's not about the numbers. But it's about the power of God, the trust in the Lord. And we may, you may think, it, you know, in my work, there's only one of us who's a Christian that I know of. You might think there's only a few of us here gathered together. I mean, focus is amazing. 10,000 people. You sort of think, okay, we're not alone. There's more of us here. But you know what? The Lord doesn't need 12,000 people. In this case, he only needs 300. In fact, he only needs one. Why? Because he only needed one Savior. We only need one Savior. Jesus has done the work for us. He's the person that we can rely on, and he's the one who's with us in that step of faith. So be God-confident. Don't necessarily be confident in yourself, but you can be absolutely assured of God's presence with you. Verse 34, it says, The Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. That is God's presence with us, and each of us can receive the Holy Spirit afresh tonight to take us from where we are now to where he wants us to be to remind us of our identity in him. So, the situation that you find yourself in, that we find ourselves in, how does Gideon help us? Firstly, cry out to the Lord. First thing to do, not the last. Secondly, 
know that the Lord is with you where you are. Thirdly, you can admit your weaknesses. It's okay. Because when you're weak, then he's strong. And then lastly, rely on his strength. Allow God to fill you with his strength through the Holy Spirit. Amen. Shall we stand and we're gonna, we'll pray together. Maybe the band could come up. be great for us to um, just to pray. And I'd love to encourage us um, to do as Gideon did. Just, Gideon didn't have any of the answers. He didn't know what to do, but he just said yes to the Lord. And I don't know what yes looks like for you at the moment, but uh, it might be as simple as saying, Lord, I'm here. I'm open. Will you fill me with your Holy Spirit? I'd love to receive your help. Why don't we pray together? And you might want to just close your eyes. If that's helpful, you might want to just picture Jesus in front of you. He's here. He is here by his spirit. But you just want to picture him in front of you and just invite him in again to say, Lord, I need you. I'm weak. But you're strong. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are here now. Thank you that you are strong. Thank you that you are so strong that you have defeated death, defeated sin. You've risen again. You're seated at the right hand of the Father. And you're here now with us by the Holy Spirit. Thank you that you are strong. And Lord, uh, we are weak. We acknowledge that. But we thank you As Paul says, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. So Lord, we take you at your word. We give you ourselves again tonight. And we ask, would you come now and fill us with your power? Fill us with your strength.